Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Would you please be seated? All right, so Lent 5, I think, was the first time we had to cancel or reduce uh, a church service here at St. John's last year. So almost happy anniversary, or not so happy anniversary. (laughs) I think at this point, most of us are feeling pretty weary of everything. At first, it was difficult and uh, alien, um, and then, uh, but there was kind of a novelty to it, kind of like, oh, we don't know what to expect. Well, we're pretty sure what we can expect now. And it's, uh, it's not so comforting. Early on, when we started having to close down church services and everything like that, a question kept coming to my mind. How do we survive this? How do we maintain our faith? How do we keep, keep going as church? How can we do that when we, we can't worship the way we've worshipped? When we can't gather the way we've gathered? How can we grow in Christ when we can't be together in Christ? And uh, being on sick leave, as much of a drag as it was, <laughs> um, was a chance for me to actually really wrestle with those questions. And my wife, uh, Kimberly, she kicked me out of the house um, when I went my first week of sick leave. She said, you're cleaning, you're cooking, you're parenting, get out. And I'm like, well, I got to... She goes, no, go away somewhere. You, you just go and rest. You just need to rest. So I went to Camp Medley. And uh, by accident, I pulled out a book that was in another bag that I brought, um, and it was uh, Alan Fadling's An Unhurried Life. So I started reading it. It's one of my favorite books. If you haven't read it, um, I may lend it to you with a threat. You give it back. Um, It's an amazing book. And one of the things he wrote in that book was that he had made the mistake of of paying exclusive attention to what Jesus taught about prayer or morality or ethics, but he didn't really pay a lot of attention to how Jesus prayed or how Jesus practiced morality or ethics. He, he listened to the teaching without seeking to follow in the footsteps of his rabbi. So that got me thinking, well, how did Jesus pray? And then connected to that, how are we to sustain our faith and grow in our faith? Well, we've got to live like Jesus lived. And so this sermon series in Lent will be looking at how did Jesus pray so that we can pray like Jesus. And this is the first part in which we're going to look at the foundations of Jesus' spirituality. Because Jesus was Jewish, he inherited a culture of prayer liturgies and and prayers (laughs) written prayers that shaped him and formed him in his life and in his teaching and in the way he practiced prayer so this is just the foundation we're going to be looking at how jesus used solitude later and how he prayed in the moment and then we're going to uh, at the end of lent we'll look at like how did jesus then teach us to pray in light of all these things of his example and then we'll look at his teaching <clears throat> in Hebrews 12:2, Jesus, it, the author says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So let's look at the author and perfecter of our faith. 
So what influenced Jesus' prayer life? This is no secret. It was the Psalms. The Psalms were Jesus' prayer book. Um, They shaped his prayers. They they shaped his teaching. You know, when David says to my Lord, says to my Lord, what did he mean, right? And also we can remember the passage where Jesus was on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. Now, if he was a Baptist up there, he would say Psalm 22. But because Jews didn't list their Psalms with numbers, he referred to the first line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that that prayer begins in agony, but it ends in triumph. And what Jesus was doing in the agony of the cross was triumphing over evil. So the Psalms were Jesus' prayer book. He so identified with them that they shaped and formed him. Have you ever had that happen with you? I remember when I was a kid, we only used the prayer book and we used the Kenyan rite. That's all we used in church. And I remember coming back from communion one day, shortly after I was confirmed, and I got into the pew, I got down on my kneeler, and I said, Almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks for, for graciously feeding, these in these ho- feeding us in these holy mysteries from my heart. Not just from here, but from here. And I realized at that moment that I was shaped by the prayer book, that it was a natural expression for me. The Psalms were a natural expression for Jesus. And sometimes when we read the Psalms now, we're like, what is going on in this? There's some pretty violent things. There's some lament. There's all kinds of stuff. We need to remember that when Jesus, that Jesus so identified the Psalms that when we pray the Psalms, we are praying with Jesus. That's why in morning and evening prayer, Psalms are central to what we do. As a good Jewish boy, Jesus would have been taught the Shema, which comes from three passages in the Old Testament. And you would have recited this at least in the morning and in the evening. And it's a reminder that we are to love God with all that we have, and we are to pass on our faith to the next generation. Love and pass on. And so he would have done this at least in the morning and evening, probably at noon as well. And uh, we know that the Shema shaped him because when that young rabbi said, what's the greatest commandment? He answers with the beginning of the Shema, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and understanding. But he added to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus just didn't leave the tradition as it was. He added to it, to the new thing he was doing. It's important to be shaped and formed by the story. And the Shema is a summary of the story. And so when we recite the creed, or when we, when we, recite the, when we read the, the story of our faith, it shapes us and it forms us. And being disciplined in that can be transformative. The final thing um, is something called, I'm going to mispronounce this, so I apologize, but the Amidah, which is uh, liturgical prayers that Jews use to this day. And in the form they use them now today, they think they were written around at the fall of the temple, so around 70 AD, 40 years after Jesus died. Um, But there were forms of it before then. And a big question of the day for rabbis and their students was, do we have to pray the whole Amidah? It's pretty long. 
lots of blessings, some curses. There's all, there's all kinds of things going on in the Amidah. Do we have to pray? Does it make, can I be a good Jew without having to pray this three times a day? And so when the disciples come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray, they were probably carrying on the conversation that was going on around everybody. And a lot of biblical scholars look at the Amidah and they look at the Lord's Prayer and they said, this is kind of a distilled, simplified version of the Amidah. So that form of prayer shaped Jesus in his understanding of prayer and how he passed it on to his disciples. So, the church got hold of all this and made it more complicated. They took a verse from the Psalm 119 and they started with the monastic office. They had like five or seven offices. And then they, then with Cramner, the, the, with the first Archbishop of Canterbury that was Anglican, <laughs> he simplified it into morning and evening prayer. So what does this matter? These things shape us. And if you come back to the question of what is going to sustain us in prayer, it's not just praying off the cuff whenever you feel like it. It's actually being intentional in your time with the Lord. It's having that discipline practice. Now, as Anglicans, we have tons of resources at our disposal. We have the Book of Common Prayer. We have the BAS. We have Common Worship from England. We have things from the States. We got things from all over the world, New Zealand, you name it. And it's all online. And most of it is free. Woohoo! Won't do it, it won't, it's too confusing. Get the app, it lays it all out for you, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, there's so many options. But here's the good news, Judy, that is that we don't, it doesn't matter what you use. What matters is that you use it. Now, some people will get mad at me for saying that. But I think that if we are exposing ourselves to the reading of Scripture every day, the praying of the Psalms every day, and intentional intercession for the world every day, I think that's a good thing. And if all the books do something a little different, that's okay. I think God still answers that and will bless that. How can we pray like Jesus? We're intentional with the times we set aside to be with Jesus. Um, Kim and I are reading a book right now by Tish Harrison Warren. She's the woman who wrote... uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary, uh, that we used in Lent last year. Well, her new book is called Prayer in the Night, and it's a meditation on a prayer from Compline um, that's from the American Prayer Book. It's actually not in our prayer book, (laughs) Uh, but it's a beautiful prayer. And uh, she talks about how it's about keeping watch with us, dear Lord, through the night. How can we sustain, how can our faith be sustained when we are in suffering? And she talks about the prayers of the church written for us in this way. Have, have you ever been to Mount Washington? No, no. Have you ever uh, seen pictures of Mount Washington or anything? <laughs> I drove by Mount Washington. I thought, we should, we should go up there. And then I actually saw it. I'm like, I don't want to go up there. It's like that. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty intense mountain down in New Hampshire. And uh, she said that she was there with her husband uh, one day and Along the trail, they have these huge piles of rocks called cairns. It's because when clouds envelop the mountain and you can't see the trail, all of these cairns will guide you to safety. They go along the path, they keep you on the right path, and they'll guide you home. What happens when we 
are going through an extended period of weariness and struggle like we are right now? What happens when a family member is sick? What happens when we're sick? How do we pray? And for Tish and for, for me too, there has been tremendous blessing in the written prayers. I've got a lot of Baptist friends who think that if a prayer doesn't come off the top of your head, then it's not authentic. And I say that's garbage. Because there's been so many times where I couldn't pray until I picked up this book. And from the prayers of these books, from this book, I was able to pray to my father and sense his presence again. Structured prayers aren't meant to replace intimacy with God at all. They're not meant to earn his favor or anything like that. They are a gift to us in order to connect with God in difficult times. Tish War- Harrison Warren says, When I couldn't pray, the church said, Here are some prayers. When I couldn't believe, the church said, Come to the table and be fed. When I couldn't worship, the church sang over me the language of faith. The liturgical practices are cairns the ancient church built for us to help us to endure the mystery of suffering and to keep us on a path of faith to guide us home. How can we pray like Jesus? We take some time to be intentional and say, how are my days going to look? When can I pray? Is it in the morning? Is it in the evening? To sit with the word, to pray prayers that were written that conform me as a gift to me that I may be shaped in the work and ministry of prayer. Next week, we're going to be looking at how Jesus used solitude and that may continue on this conversation. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that in Jesus you not only taught us the way, you showed us the way. So Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would empower us and encourage us that we may be diligent and faithful in prayer. And Lord, we ask that you would so fill us that we could be a blessing to the world around us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.